Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Devin White is back with the Bucks, but his replacement, Kevin Minter, is on the COVID-19 list. They also got Steve McClendon back. What will they do at guard with Alex Kappa out? And the Bucks have lost five in a row. That's right, five in a row to New Orleans. Will Sunday be any different? Nick Saban, congratulations. He's won his seventh national title, his sixth at Alabama. They beat Ohio State, beat him down 52-24. The most important thing is, did you have the over? We're going to talk about all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, you know who's got the best party platters for your catering in Tampa Bay? Well, that's easy. It's Mr. Empanada. Now, what the heck is an empanada? Come on now. You take your favorite foods, you place them inside a pocket of homemade dough that's cooked perfectly until it's golden brown and piping hot. Their empanadas are a fresh twist on some old favorites. Now, order delicious menu items made from scratch, including soups and salads and Cuban sandwiches online at MrEmpanada.com. Or you can call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Where Latin food, quality, and service meet, it's Mr. Empanada. All right, Steve, we're getting ready for the uh, part three of Drew Brees versus Tom Brady, the two old guys. You were saying um, that the the NFC this year, because Brady moved over from the Patriots, man, they got all the old quarterbacks, right? Yeah, so Baker Mayfield is the oldest quarterback left in the AFC, if you can believe that. God, what has he just been in the league like three years? Yeah, he's, what, 25 years and (laughs) 270-some days old. Um, and then, of course, you, you know, you've got Josh Allen, you've got Patrick Mahomes and yeah. uh, Lamar Jackson. So they're all the young guns, them. man. Yeah. So the NFC has three quarterbacks over the age of or 37 or older. And God, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees and, of course, Tom Brady at 43. Yeah. Two at 40 and over. Yeah. 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 And then uh, I think Jared Goff is older than Baker Mayfield, but I think Wolford is younger or it's, you know, but they're close. But right. Yeah. So. You know, depending on which quarterbacks quarterbacking for the Rams, but yeah, the mm-hmm. NFC's got the you know the geezers, and the AFC's got the young guns. Well, you put it well. And I, I don't know who came up with it necessarily, but um, what they do the Nickelodeon thing the other night? Did you see that with yeah. the sliming and? Yeah, speaking of that, so, hold on. So, kudos to Sean Payton for following through, and, and he said, you know, if they win the game, he'd get slimed, and and he right. went through with it. So, kudos to him for going through with it for Nickelodeon. But you can't wear your visor when you get slimed. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> I'm not getting that dumped over my face. I mean, that would have looked ridiculous. That's like cheating. He yeah, he definitely cheated. He did take an awful lot of it, though. I'll give him credit. Oh, he no, sat no. down. I mean, you know, like I said, kudos to him. He did sit down. He did take it. He said, you know, but he didn't they take asked the him face, after the game. Yeah. He's like, absolutely. I'm set up right I'm going over right as soon as we're done here on the Zoom. And, you know, yeah. they're set up and I'm going to do it. But he wore the visor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't get down the down the face like he should have, but hey, man, he was a sport. Um, so did you see this? Uh, so Tom Brady posted this thing. I don't, it must be going around. I don't know that he did it necessarily, but he put it on social media. You were saying 
What's the line that if uh, the AFC is is Nickelodeon? Well, the they, NFC... they, you know they played the Bears in the 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 Saints game on Nickelodeon, but with Drew Brees and Tom Brady facing each other, it needs to be on the History Channel. <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> and so if you go to Brady's, like his social media game is strong. Whoever does it, yes. Um, and if you go to uh, uh, you know Instagram or or follow him on Twitter, it's. It's the History Channel logo. It says History Awaits, you know, January 17, 2021, 6.40 p.m., New Orleans, Louisiana. And it's Brady and Breeze, and they're, they're, they're in their uniforms and, and uh, without helmets. And they are they're as they would appear, <laughs> maybe, uh, without a little hair dye for Tom. Tom. Tom looks like the Dos Equis guy. He's got the gray beard going. Stay thirsty, uh, the my gr- friends. Yes, stay thirsty, my friends. Win another ring, my friends. You need six rings. I got seven. Um, and then Breeze, Breeze looks like a professor a little bit. He's got kind he of does. this uh, bald head, you know, like he's, he's either the professor or your middle school gym teacher. I'm not, he's creepy. I'm not sure which one, but he's really, I mean, he looks, he looks like a good guy, but you know, there's something going on behind him. He's got the glasses on. It's really funny. You got to check, check it out though. Check out Tom Brady's, uh, uh, at Tom Brady on, on, um, on Twitter. He looks kind of like the that. dad from family ties. Yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. That's a great analogy. If if the guy from Family Ties went to the health, uh, you know, the health store and got a bunch of vitamins and creatine and shit and beefed up a little bit, he'd look like this Drew Brees character. Yeah, Michael that's a, that's Michael a, Gross. Yeah, Michael Gross. That's who yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. That's what he, that's what he looks like. Yeah, and then the Dos Equis guys. Yeah, <laughs> which <laughs> look kind of a good looking, a better looking Fitz Magic, if you will, if you can if you can envision that. Just needs the uh, Deshaun Jackson tracksuit. There you go. There you go. He needs to wear it to New Orleans because that's where. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah. last time. By the way, what a segue! You're such a radio guy. That's the last time that the Bucks actually beat the New Orleans. You really? Do you realize it's been the Deshaun Jackson, uh, Fitz Magic chest, chest hair game? That's the last time they they beat the Saints. I mean, that's been a minute now. That's been a minute. That well, was in considering the twenty twenty took days. about forty three years. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, so you know, it really has been a while. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, five straight they've lost to these guys, including hey, Bruce Arians has not beaten them once. So, ouch! You know, you hire Bruce Arians and you go, hey, we need you to save the quarterback. Okay, that didn't happen. Um, not through any no fault of trying. Believe me, you let him throw thirty interceptions. And then, and we got to, you know what? We got to take down the Saints because they're now the they're now the team, you know, in this division. If you're going to win, you got to beat the Saints. <laughs> they haven't beat them yet, and not only have they not beaten them, they've been beaten down by yeah. them. Like these games aren't even close. So, um, you know, their last game that they played was November was a November eighth, I think, November eighth, mm-hmm. and a lot has changed, and then nothing has changed. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, you know. I mean, the Saints had to go through this thing with Taysom Hill played, you know, four games, went three and one last year. It was Teddy Bridgewater played five games, he went five and zero. Oh. So you can't say, well, it's Drew Brees. You know, he's the reason why they win. No, it's bigger than Drew Brees because basically in two years without Drew Brees, they've lost one game. Um, so they got a lot going on. They got a program, as they say, at Alabama, and so you know the Saints. The Saints are just good, and and you know not only are they good, but they're they're a little cocky. And and they got some swag because their coach has swag. I would be willing to bet that in the NFL, let's think about coaches. I mean, you know, Belichick aside, right? He's lost Brady, so his his swag isn't his swag game isn't what it used to be. Um, 
he looks a little merely mortal at this point. But if you if you if you eliminate him from the conversation, who's the swaggiest coaches in the NFL right now? Right? I mean, it's BA comes like he's like he's all swag, right? Like mm-hmm. no risk it, no business. We win, we lose, we booze, baby. So that's his whole deal, right? And then and then you know after that. I mean, it's Sean Payton, isn't Payton, it? I mean, Pete, maybe, Ca- Pete Carroll I'd put up there, too. Pete Carroll's got a little bit. How about uh, maybe uh, uh, Sean McVay? Sean McVay yeah. has a lot of swag, you know? And all those teams, by the way, were you know had good years. I mean, McVay's still in it with the Rams. But, like, if there's one guy that's got more swag than, than B.A. right now, it's it's Sean Payton. Like, Sean Payton just, you know, and, and granted, they've had some horrific endings to seasons with the you know, Miracle Minneapolis and, you know, the the no call and all that stuff. But they don't care. <laughs> like, you're not, you know, I, I still think there's this thing where the, you know, all summer long, and it wasn't the Bucks' fault. I mean, they're out there trying to build around Brady. You know, they get Brady, and so they, they dominate all the headlines during a COVID era when, remember, there was no sports going on, and the only thing that was the distraction for people was free agency in the NFL and more specifically Brady. So every day, which is great for our business, by the way, every day it was Tom Brady. What are the Bucks and Tom Brady going to do? Oh, the Bucks traded for Rob Gronkowski. Holy cow. So let's count the weapons. Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. And it's like, oh, my God, they've added Leonard Fournette. Okay, so we got Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans. So forgot like Shady McCoy, day, which they don't even yeah, play. Yeah. Here comes Shady McCoy. My God, they got Shady McCoy. Yeah, they didn't even mention this was before Leonard Fournette. They thought they were loaded at running back, right? And McCoy didn't get on the field. And so it went on and on and on and on. And they were the Super Bowl champions, you know, before August. And the whole time the Saints are sitting there going, Huh. Hmm. They're the they're the team to beat now. Not not just in our division, but like the whole NFL. Like they're going to the Super Bowl. Okay. Let's see about that. And I'm telling you. They filed all that away, man. They filed all that away, and they've just unloaded on the Bucks when they play them. You know, now you know the first one was a joke, right? Because Brady had not even been on the grass with these guys outside of Berkeley, hardly, and he's playing a regular season game in an empty stadium, completely empty, which was weird. I was there; no one had gone through this before, and he doesn't know the offense. You know, he's trying to spit out the plays, much less figure out where everybody is. Guys aren't on the same page. He throws a pick six. His first drive was great. They went right down and he scored a touchdown. But then, you know, the couple couple turnovers, a bad special teams play. And I don't know. They got, you know, I don't have the scores in front of me. You got to be like 34 to 23 or something like that. And so you think, well, that's about right. I mean, he's only been together one game. Give him some time. And then here comes November. And they're playing better. And then they just get waxed at home. Like just pff, 31 to nothing. The game, it's 31 to nothing. They lose 38-3, to three, and it's not even a contest. It's just like, you know, Brady's throwing more interceptions. I think he threw three that day. and That game got no out of hand so quick. They had a drop oh. on that first possession. Yes, yes. And, and it was, what, four straight three and outs, and New Orleans scored every four, possession. It was they over. They scored on every possession, and, and they had them 31 to nothing. Yeah. And then it was just, you know, how many times can they hit Brady? I mean, it was it was awful. But that was, if you remember, that was Antonio Brown's first game. It was, and they ran the ball what five times, including a knee. It was the yeah the the least the least amount of rushing attempts in the history of the NFL. I mean, when you start hearing stuff like that, it's like, um, hey man, you want to try to run the ball a little bit? But yeah, it was it was really bad. It was epically bad. And and yet, if you look at it now, 
you know, it, it, it's been six, seven weeks and things have changed. I mean, things have changed for the Bucks Now, does that mean they're better than the Saints? I, I don't think so. I mean, I think the Saints have proven they're the better team. Um, but you don't have to be better than them. You just have to be better than them for one day. Like, you just need to play better for three hours. And, you know, and the Saints have gone through their problems. I mean, Breeze's ribs still can't feel great, right? They just got Michael Thomas back. Um, you know, they got Emmanuel Sanders. They got some pieces for sure. Defensively is where they make their hay. I mean, they don't allow anything. Their defense is phenomenal. And they've got these guys' number. And so it's going to take another Herculean effort to try to beat these dudes. But I'm just, you know, I, I, we'll we'll break down this game all week. But I'm I'm fascinated by, you know, how it's going to be chippy, right? I mean, these teams, like the old, they don't like each other. They don't like each other, you know. I mean, Cam Jordan can't talk enough trash, right? And Donovan Smith just played great, but he's going to have to play the best game he's ever played. And Tristan Wirfs, you know, that was his first game. He never even been on a preseason game when he went down to New Orleans. And I think he's given up one sack since the Bears game. Um, so, you know, you've, you've got some interesting matchups. And, and the difference is, and I was listening to uh, Dan Orvlosky, uh, used to be with the Bucks, now becoming one of ESPN's big star analysis and he kind of nailed it. He said, look, he goes, you know, the game changer for them, the thing, and, and there's been a lot of things that Byron Leftwich has done to make Brady more comfortable. And we've talked about the play action and, you know, the, the pre-motion snap or the motion, pre, pre, pre-snap motion and things like that that he's done. But the biggest thing he says, it's Antonio Brown. Like Antonio Brown is now completely comfortable. He knows what spaces to get in and out of. He's playing really fast. Brady clearly is looking for him trusting him all over the field and when you give him time if you add him to Mike Evans and to Chris Godwin who had an uncharacteristically bad day catching the ball the other day I mean you you cannot double three outside receivers and then you have Gronk or then you have Brait or then you have the running back in the screen game and things they have too much to account for they're averaging 37 points a game I know you can keep talking about who they played. That's fine. It was on their schedule. They can't help it. I know. Minnesota, Atlanta twice. I get it. The Detroit. And then, you know, even for that matter, the Washington football team. But everybody talked about going in that Washington game. Well, that defense is real now. Those guys, boy, they get after the quarterback. Man, oh, man. And you know what? They stoned them. They absolutely stoned those pass rushers. So... Uh, with the exception of when they lost Alex Kappa, which we can talk about, and they had to put in Ted Larson, he gave up the two sacks inside. And that's going to be a problem this week, you know. But I don't know. It's like, do do you, you can't totally dismiss what the Saints have done, and yet I don't think this is the same Bucks team that played in November. It just doesn't feel the same. It isn't. I mean, you know, that offense, which we've been waiting for all season to finally click, is clicking. It is. I it do. Is. I do worry about the drops, and they've had a problem with that the last few weeks. They have, mm-hmm. uh, and it, 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 we referenced that first, the uh, second New Orleans game. Uh, there was a drop uh, in the first possession, first series. early, right? Yeah. yeah, it was the first series, and it ended up being a three and out, and then New Orleans scores, and then it was just downhill from there. It was. And if you make and that outs. play, and you get three more plays, the whole game may change. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, the NFL anymore has become a game of. It's almost like hockey in this regard it's become a game of mistakes it's oh for sure who makes the least amount of mistakes wins the for games sure. generally mm-hmm. um, you know that's what 
you know, why Bill Belichick and Brady were so good for so long is they didn't make mistakes. Offense, defense, mm-hmm. they wouldn't get penalized much. They, they didn't just, beat themselves. They right. let you make the mistakes, and they capitalized on it. Mm-hmm. That's what they did for 20 years there. Yep. Um, and dominated their division and, and the NFL in that regard. Mm-hmm. You know, you drop those passes, and it completely changes the momentum. You go from yes. it was going to be a first down to now we're in third and long or, you know, whatever right. the situation is. Um, when, when you have the catch, you have the, the, the open running lane, you've got to hit it. You've got to, you've got to make yeah. those plays and let them make the mistakes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's what, you, you know, Godwin had a, a bad game Saturday, you know, trying to catch the ball. And, and they've had some drops lately. And, and so, you, you know, you really you don't want to get behind to the Saints and you don't want to give them those free plays because you gave it up. Yeah, and it's not like you know. It's not like Chris to really. I mean, he like I said, I don't know what was going on mm-hmm. with him in particular. Um, he's had the finger injury, and mm-hmm. it was cold. You know, I don't know if that was a factor sure. or just you know, you get in a game and you drop one, and then maybe you know it was the playoffs. That's the other thing. It's like everything's magnified, and you can you can press these guys. That and Chris Godwin never played in the playoffs before, mm-hmm. so that might have been a factor. I, I can't. I wouldn't expect that to happen again, but. To your point, like you know, one one bad mistake on a key third down chance for three more plays. People don't realize how three more plays leads to two more plays or leads to a touchdown. You know, you don't know what happens after that when you get that first down. Like you don't, you can't anticipate them having to be more worn out. Them having to, because typically your defense after about if you watch after about six to nine, if there's six snaps in a row, seven snaps in a row. You're seeing line changes. You're seeing, you know, rotations on the defensive line. Those big guys can't go, you know, 15 plays in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul won't come off the field sometimes, Jack Barrett. But for the most part, you're seven guys in and out. And that's why first downs are so important. You know, you look at the end of the game and a team has, you know, a bunch of first downs. They've kind of dominated time of possession, but they've worn out that defense. And um, when you don't get to those other plays, you know, you got all these great ideas in, in that play sheet but you can't get to them unless you have a couple first downs, unless you can set some things up, show them certain things, then then run play action off of certain things, and that sets up your shot plays, and it all kind of works together. And and they haven't, they just haven't gotten off the very good starts against the Saints. And you know, I I watched. I mean, when you watch the like the Bears' defense is is elite. I mean, in some ways, it's really good, especially in terms of their their front seven. You know, and they got some guys in cover too, but they can get after the quarterback really with just four if they need to. And they gave Brees some problems. And I mean, you looked up and it's seven to three and for whatever reason, you know, Nagy didn't want to, to push the envelope down, you know, down seven to three with two minutes to go and two timeouts. He more or less just said, well, let's go to halftime. But I mean, you know, you hold, you hold that offense to seven points and a half. You should win the game. I mean, that that's really where you should be at. And I, you know, I promise you that if the Bucks defense holds them to under 24, I think the Bucks win. You know, I think I think if they score 30, which has been really below their average lately, um they're going to win. But that but the Saints defense for whatever reason, um they don't have the success. They don't you know, it, it's kind of made to take away the shot plays and you know, the Bucks haven't run the ball very well cuz they keep getting behind. But I asked Bruce Arians today, you know, you know before this podcast, we we talked to him on Monday and and he said you know, what's, what's gotten us beat are turnovers. Turnovers and, you know, just um, not making plays, not making first downs, like, you know, not 
you know, not being very effective early in the game and getting behind to where we have to abandon the run game. So the key will be, you know, don't fall in a big hole. Don't turn the ball over. Stay in the game. Um, make it so that you can run the football. And I don't know if Ronald Jones is going to be back or not. We're still, he's got a quad. I guess he had that thing was bottom in practice, and then they put him on a plane when he landed. You know, it was really sore, and they, they held him out. So I don't know if he's coming back or not. I mean, Fournette looked great. He played his best game. So they got a little depth at running back. Um, but they're going to have to run the ball. You know, you're going to have to mix it up and get the play action going. But I just think that the Bucks are a hot offense right now. And they can score with the Saints. And they may have to just, you know, they have to win a shootout, you win a shootout. I mean, that's the thing. It, it, anything can happen in this game. You just got to find a way uh, to survive in advance. And I, I think there's a general sense that the Saints are better and they've proven it. But are they better? Are they going to be better on Sunday? Are they going to be better than the way the Bucks are playing right now? Bucks are playing really well, really well. Well, and you wonder if any of the Saints players will take the Juju Smith-Schuster route to the game. Which was? Did you see his comments on the Browns will be the Browns going into the game? You know, I'm not oh, worried about yeah. the Browns or the Browns. And then if, did you see Clay, Chase Claypool's comments today following that up? They asked him so, about Juju's comments. He's like, ah, oh, you know, the Browns, they'll get clapped this week, so it's all good. <laughs> they'll get what clapped which means the saint or the chiefs are gonna destroy them but oh i got still you, talking man. smack after that performance uh, he needs to shut the hell up i mean <laughs> really um, yeah the browns are the browns like it's funny because you think you know bulletin board stuff doesn't matter these are just key these are grown men playing a kid's game right and so you know and and, and we spent all week like ron rivera you know jumped through t- twisted himself in knots telling me and other people, you know, sort of what was really meant by what Chase Young said, I want Brady. It didn't matter at that point. It was too late. It was out of the bag. Everybody saw the sound bite 100,000 times. You know who saw it? The, the offensive line. The offensive line said, okay, all right, we got this. And Donovan Smith played the best game I think I've ever seen. I, the, the playoff Donovan Smith is a bad guy. He's a bad dude. <laughs> but But you know what else? Go back and look at some of the, like, they do some film study on this, um, and there's some stuff on the internet, some clips, or just go back and watch the game. This is unbelievable to me, because this guy is a superstar, and Rob Gronkowski completely sacrificed his entire receiving game for the most part. He should have caught a touchdown. But he blocked Chase Young one-on-one a whole bunch, like not just one or two times, like by himself. How many tight ends in the league? can say, yeah, I got that guy, their best pass rusher. I'll, I'll line up next to Donovan, and we'll go three tight ends. Oh, and you know the guy that's going to be open in the flat? Cam Brate, all night long, you know? And I'll sit in here, and I'll be our best blocker against their best pass rusher. I mean, guy's a, just a stud, man. He'll do anything to win, and that's that's what they did in New England. That's that's that mentality. You're, you know, you're an all-around tight end. You're not just, you know, he, he laughed. We, we laughed at him when he said, I'm – I'm just a blocker, you know. Well, he he can do that as well as any tight end in the game, and he was phenomenal in that game. And it's that sort of buy-in when you get the buy-in like that from your superstars, from guys that have all these rings and know how to win. The rest of the team sees it, and they're willing to do whatever they're asked to do. You know, Leonard Fournette keeps talking about how he's been humbled. I look, man, I was I've been humbled, man. I've been humbled because he was he was 99 percent of the Jacksonville's offense. I mean, he was like the Derrick Henry before Derrick Henry. And now he finds himself on the bench all year long. 
But and he sulked. I'm telling you, I've talked to coaches. He didn't handle it very well, and that you can expect that because the guy's used to playing, and he came here, I think, to play in his first game. I think he had 100 yards. But Rojo was their dude, and but man, when he got the game, when he got the chance in the playoff, he was phenomenal. And if you can get that kind of production and that kind of effort from him, if he has to play against New Orleans, you're good. Like you're fine. You'd like to have Rojo back, but you're fine. Mm-hmm. So. I just think that there's a buy-in on this team. I think Brady is the reason. Well, let me I add think. one more motivation, and I'm pretty sure this is correct. Tom Brady has never lost to a team three times in one season. I don't think he has. I don't know if he's ever played a team three times in one season. <laughs> well, but, that might be why he didn't lose. I one. mean, there was what one time in the division they lost to the same team twice. You you don't think he's motivated to change that? Well, he had, you know, he had this thing on Instagram after the, he always does this this post, you know, mm-hmm. after the game. Hey, fellas, you know, good W, you know, we're going one more game, you know, this and that. And he said something like, "This is before they knew who they were going to play." And he's like, "Wonder who we're going to play? I think I know who we want to play. I think I know." And you could take it one of two ways. You could say, "Well, maybe they want the Rams because that means they're at home and the fans would get to see them." But no, I think, look, I think he was talking about the Saints. I, I think they want the Saints. Now, they're going to have to go through them at some point anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've talked to coaches over there. It, they're split. Like, there are some coaches over there like, yeah, I really didn't want to see them till the championship, <laughs> you know, because they, they own us. I mean, like, they're better. Um, and not that they don't think they can win, but, like, you've lost five in a row to them. Why, why were you in a hurry to see them? And then there's others that are like, you know, nah, let's go ahead and knock. The, we not Listen, if they beat the Saints and – they get that you know monkey off their back, so to speak, and they got to go to Green Bay. I don't give a damn what the weather is. They've beaten Green Bay. You're 60 minutes. You're just 60 minutes from playing in the Super Bowl, being the first team in history. You don't think – how motivated would Tom Brady be to be in a championship game after 20 seasons in New England? Everybody's saying you can't do this. He's too old. He can't throw the deep ball. He's gonna not gonna do anything in Tampa Bay. Belichick's the reason he won, and he's sixty minutes from a Super Bowl, his tenth, with a chance to win a seventh ring. How how locked in will he be that week against Aaron Rodgers? And how how, w- how much of a treat would it be just to watch those two quarterbacks go at it? That's in, what in I'm a, saying. In like, a NFC championship, in a championship game. game. I mean, it's gonna be breeze. It's probably. I mean, unless Rodgers gets upset, you know, by the Rams, which anything's possible. But if the Green Bay wins, it's going to be Rodgers against Brady or Rodgers against Breeze. Yeah, that's but, a hell but of we've a seen, game we've right seen, there. I mean, we've seen because they're in the same conference. We've seen Breeze and Rodgers go at it a lot more. Exactly. To see, no, everybody to wants see Rodgers I mean, I, and Brady would be fun. Rodgers and Brady for the yeah, with all that Brady has, you know, just the whole decision, right? Like mm-hmm. it wasn't LeBron James, but it was close. I mean, you didn't have Jim. You could have had Jim Gray because him and Jim Gray are good friends. Um. Talking to goats, as Jim Gray's book is, but I still think that like that's the story, right? Like to 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 have that kind of expectation, that kind of pressure, um, have all this attention, you know, start out be shaky. At one point, you're seven and five, and then all of a sudden, you find yourself in a championship game against a Green Bay team that you throttled. Like you, that's the thing. Like Green Bay knows, like these guys got all over us. You know, we were up ten nothing, and then we were down thirty one to ten. Like it wasn't even funny. You know. Rodgers was uncomfortable. He got sacked a bunch of times. A couple, a pick six, another interception to the two. And you're playing that team. You're 60 minutes away 
from being the first team to play at Raymond James for a Super Bowl. Not first team at Raymond James, first home team playing the Super Bowl at his home stadium. What a story, right? Incredible. I, I mean, mean, that's I, that's the whole reason you came here. Right. It's the right. whole, whole and, reason that Bruce Arians was brought in here. It was the whole reason Tom Brady and then, you know, the cast of characters that he's brought with them since. Yeah. Everything you've done would lead to that game, to that those 60 minutes to Tampa. And everybody's saying you can't he'll never do it. He's too old. He'll never fit the offense. What's he doing leaving New England after twenty years? Well, and that was the talk early in the season, if you remember. Mm-hmm. You know, Belichick had the better of this deal, you know, because it was well, always yeah, gonna be, gonna be who's better without each other, Brady or Belichick. And Right, right. Right. And and th- there it is. It's all there for him to make to not only make history and do it for the, you know, in his first year in Tampa, but to do it. You know, when when no one thought he could, and, and make history in that you'd be the first team, you know, to play a Super Bowl in your home state. I mean, all of that is just too 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 rich to not think he could pull it off. And uh, and yet there'll be people betting against him. And look, I I mean, New Orleans is going to be favored by four four and a half points in that game. And um, you know, it's not going to be easy, but man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun one for sure. There was a national championship game. And I didn't. I'll be. I'll be honest with you. I didn't care to watch it. I hate to say this. I. I love college football. The best thing I can say about this year is that it's over. And my hats off to all those teams and all those kids and all those cancellations and, you know, the testing. I, I can't imagine what they've been through. And I, I give all the credit in the world to everybody that that participated in all that. This did not seem like a very good college season to me. Because I think what college football is about is the pageantry. I think it's about the fans. I think it's about the atmosphere. And otherwise, what you have, when you pull back the curtain on college football and you don't have those other things, you realize it's what I've always said it is. It's professional sports where you don't pay the players. That's what it is. And we're at a point now where you know, there's about five teams every year that can has a chance, just a chance to win a national title, and they're the same five or five teams. Um, and you know, look, Alabama, Nick Saban's built a dynasty there, and you know, Ohio State. There was a lot of controversy about even the Big Ten wasn't going to play, and then they were going to play, and they were only it didn't matter how many games they won, they had to win so many, and then they changed the rules, and here's Ohio State because they beat Clemson, but this game was never close, really. 52-24, and Saban wins his seventh national title, sixth at Alabama, um, and I just want to yawn, you know? Like, it's, I don't think it's good for college football. I don't know how to change it. I would expand the tournament, maybe start there, um, but there's only so many teams each year that can win it. These were two of them, and yet, you know, Ohio State was missing a bunch of defensive linemen, and I think it killed them. I think COVID got them, you know, Um I don't know how much better they play if they have all their all their guys on defense. I'll say this, you know, that uh, this is the this might have been the best Alabama team that Saban has had. Would you agree or disagree? Offensively no question. Offensively um, I don't for sure. I don't know defensively if they're you know, I think he's had some better teams in this defensively, but yeah, that's I that mean, you're exactly right about that. Teams Mac, ran up and down the field with them. You're right. Mac Jones put up better numbers tonight than Joe Burrow did last year. He threw for like 500. Mm -hmm. Devontae Smith had, what, 215 yards in the first half, practically. 215. Yeah. Yeah, got hurt. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, this, 
you know, Alabama's always been defense of this, and the offense was, you know, what it was. Run the ball. I mean, what, and, you know. what Alabama has done the last few seasons in changing and, and adapting their offense, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, we've spent time on this podcast talking about Jim Harbaugh. I think, you mm-hmm. know, part of his problem is he hasn't adapted his offense enough. No. It doesn't no. look like an offense for 2015, let alone 2021. Agree. Agree. Um, you know, he's still trying to run – you know, fullbacks and multiple tight ends, and and you know you can do that some, but when you're trying to compete with Ohio State or Penn State, or you know if you're going to go play Alabama in a bowl game, and that you know you've got to be you've got to be a little more creative than that today because the defenses know how to stop what you, what you've been doing. Yeah, you got to spread them out. You got to mm-hmm. you got to throw the ball football. I mean, Mac Jones threw for four hundred and fifty four yards and five touchdowns. I mean, it's just you know. How do you you know how do you compete with that? I mean, you're going to have to have you're going to have to be wide open, you know. And Saban has adjusted. Saban Saban, you likes to run the football, so he likes to be balanced. Yeah, but, it doesn't mean you don't run. It doesn't that, but you've got no. your offense has to be. It can't be explosive. nearly as predictable as what you got to you be know, explosive. What so many teams right? are doing anymore. Yeah, and you've got to have some yeah. unpredictability and some creativity and routes in this. Where right, you know, the defenses are smart. And, and you know the in college too. I mean they've they've gotten so good at that. You've got to trick them and fool them. I mean it's the right. same thing we've talked about with you know with Tom Brady. Even without the without the pre motion snaps, it's been harder on this offense to do anything. And now they're doing yeah, a lot he, more. He you needs, know he needs those cues. He needs those mm-hmm. keys to. Well, to well be I, able I think to open it's him, it and I think it's his receivers need the keys too. I you know yeah the motion no, helps you're them right. too. It points it's not out just to them Brady. what they got. That's right. That's, you're exactly right. It, it lets them know rather than having to read the route and when the rotation of the back end as the play is mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the ball's coming at you, and you you don't see the hot you don't see the blitz you don't see the rotation of the defense next thing you know it's intercepted so i mean you know those keys help your offensive line you can see the linebackers mm-hmm. moved when we went in motion or yep you know this i mean it, it helps every it's not just the quarterback that's reading it because if the right. receivers don't read it right too it, it the play's not you're not gonna have the right timing you're not gonna throw it to the right spot etc yeah and they got to read it together and i think they're starting to do that but yeah the offense they definitely i mean look there's there's some teams in the big 10 that could play better michigan's one of them um, but I don't, but you know, they can't beat Ohio state with Harbaugh. They haven't done it. I don't see them doing it anytime soon. I think well, they got state, five more years of them. So I know, I know. <laughs> and look, I like Jim Harbaugh. I don't, I don't know that I would have made that decision if I were them though at Michigan, but I, it's against who it, are they going to get? It, you know, it's, 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 it's one of a couple things. I think either they called around and the guys they wanted, they weren't going to be able to get, or the boosters just weren't willing to pony up. It could I mean, be that the, the boosters still like Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he's still the quarterback that guaranteed a win over Ohio State back in the 80s and, and came through with it. Yeah. Um, you know, he's still a Michigan guy. Now, I'll be interesting what they do next season offensively. I think mm-hmm. they start a true freshman quarterback next year. Oh, my. They got J.J. McCarthy coming in, the highest-rated quarterback he's recruited there. Played at IMG this past year. Supposed to be the real deal. Well, I hope he is. So we'll see if, you know, I think that's who will start next year, and then it'll be interesting. But but I also i am not a big fan of their offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis. Mm-hmm. And it looks like at this point they're still keeping him. They, they change, they're changing defensive coordinators. They haven't announced that yet. But so. Well, they needed to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think it, was, it was probably time for Don Brown to go. I mean, I, although I think, he was, I think he's a good defensive coordinator. He might be, but you know, one thing I noticed, like with him, is that man, he 
he put too much pressure on their young. It didn't matter if the guy was a true freshman or a senior, fifth year senior. He was going to play man coverage against guys across the board. And, it, and just put so much pressure on their defensive Well, backs. and it worked most of the time because most of the time his defense had more talent than the offenses they were facing. Yeah. Most of the time. Until you faced Ohio State. Right. Or Penn State. Or Alabama in a bowl game. Or mm-hmm. name whatever other school you played in the bowl games and got beat in. You know? Now there's every team in the yeah. Big Ten can throw it. Yeah. But when you, know, when you were facing, you know, Purdue and Michigan State and, you know, those Maryland and Rutgers – you could mm-hmm. do that because you you had more talent in your defense than they Better had on offense. offense, and so yeah. you could you could do all that, and, and it worked. Uh, but once you faced a team that had you know three receivers that were faster than any guy in your defense, like Ohio State has, good luck. It didn't work. Yeah. Well, we'll see who can. We got to let you know. I'll just read this. I don't have the answers to it, but we did get. I think this sums it up. We got a you know a mailbag question from Bob Joyce. Sent me an email, and he was like, you know, at the beginning of the year, it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and the team meeting later before they even play a game, you know, for the national championship. And they picked Notre Dame, he said, for TV ratings as a fourth team. I don't disagree. I don't know. I wouldn't apologize for it either from them because Notre Dame had, you know, one loss to Clemson and or to uh, – they'd beaten Clemson, yeah, and then they uh, – They got killed by them in the ACC championship game. killed in the game, ACC yeah. championship, yeah. Um, but nonetheless uh, – you know, and and he, and he makes the point. He goes, you know, years ago Clemson was horrible. Now they're elite. Before Urban, Ohio State would win the Big Ten. They get destroyed by the SEC, sometimes by Florida. And then Urban brought the SEC style of play to Penn State or to uh, Ohio State. It's like you know, back in the day, you could count on USC, Penn State, Texas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Michigan. They all had a chance before the first game. But now it's over. Now it's just we know within a margin of one percent. That Alabama, Clemson, and probably Ohio State or Oklahoma, or maybe all four, but three of those four are going to make the national championship next year. We know it right now. Well, the top three, the odds are already out for next year, and it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State are the top three. There you go. And Oklahoma's probably in there, right? Oklahoma, I think, is next. Florida's in the next couple They're groups. They're in the mix, right. Texas A&M, maybe. Yeah, I think A&M is. But that's it, right? One team out of the Big 12. Um, the SEC champion, which is always going to be Alabama, or think about much uh, think about. So this was Alabama's best offense ever. We mm-hmm. we agreed to that. Yeah. Think of who they lost off last year's team. Tua, Judy, Jerry, um, Judy. Yeah. Um, what uh, Rugs? Um, mm-hmm. You know they lost. They lost a ton of NFL talent off that offense, and yeah, Ruggs was they had a better ago, offense. But yeah. Or, okay, yeah. mm-hmm. but I mean, you know. They, I mean, they're so deep. Alabama is. Ohio State's very deep too, not quite as deep as Alabama. Clemson is deep. I mean, they lose guys, and it it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, they they just reload. They got their 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 guys that are scrimmaging. You know, are as good as could mm-hmm. could beat most college football teams. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you get a you know a Joe Burrow at LSU that shocks everybody, and you know all of a sudden LSU's got an offense for the first time, and and they go win a national championship. But for the most part. The way college football is structured now is it's you know, and and it's coaching is so such a big part of it. Saban, Sweeney, and Day, or you know, Urban before that, and Day is becoming you know the best coaches in college football. Um, I think Lincoln Riley's probably up there too with Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, I mean, they keep having you know, I mean, what he went to, what to the college football playoff three straight years with three different quarterbacks. Yeah, he had three Heisman quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
transfers even. I mean, the other thing that, that Nick Saban can do, because it's a program, is mm-hmm. he gets the best coaches. You know, this is the thing. Like, he's got guys mm-hmm. that are consultants that are better coaches than some of the coaches in, in football. Um, and, you know, they, they went from Lane Kippen and something went wrong, went sideways before a national championship game with him. He went to FAU. And they named Steve Sarkeesian, who had been, you know, ousted at USC, had an alcohol dependency problem, all that stuff. He winds up being the coordinator, and this is the best offense they've ever had. And now he's on his way to Texas as a head coach. And so it's sort of like, not literally the rehab center, but it's sort of like we're coaches that are, you know, well, looking to. Major Applewhite's there, Charlie Strong's there. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, yeah. all kinds, you know, I mean, yeah, that's where coaches go to kind of rehab and, and get their next gig. And get their get their profile up, um, you know what is it? Is it Pruitt? Is that who went to Arkansas State? My alma mater. Um, yeah, but I mean, and so now I, I think I read a story that maybe Bill O'Brien, you know, the mm-hmm. Houston Texas Penn State coach, may end up there calling plays. Yep. So I mean, that's the other part of this is like you forget, like, hey, you know, the guys coaching these dudes, they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they got consultants that are better than most college coaches. Because they're still getting paid by their universities, they didn't have to work right away, and they go, you know what? I think I'm gonna go go do my like, you know, graduate assistant degree here at uh, at Alabama under Nick Saban and see what he's all about. And why wouldn't so, you? I mean, why would not learn from the best? Absolutely. You you know, you got all the money. It's not it's not about the money. It's just about the opportunity. And then, you know, guy leaves and gets a head coaching job, and then all of a sudden you're the coordinator. You know, for Nick Saban. So, yeah, it's a it's a machine and. Um, but you know what's good about college football is when you have a coach like Nick Saban and the over is 75 <laughs> and he could have pulled the dogs off long before he needed to. But by gosh, he got that final touchdown and it's 76 is, is now. That's a bad beat, Scott Van Pelt. That's a bad beat. That's a bad beat. But yeah, Las Vegas was moaning over that one. Although actually, but I mean, it did happen early enough. It wasn't like it happened. No, in the final it wasn't. Two but minutes, but so. that's, listen. The best one I've ever seen of that, honest to God, you can look it up. Steven Spurrier at Florida. Spurrier knew the number, and he was going to make all those Gator boosters money every single week. And if he needed, if he needed another touchdown with a minute to go, he was going to get it to cover the spread every time. That guy covered. He he had to know the number. He had to, because he covered it every week, and he would do things that like everybody's like, "What are you doing?" He's throwing the ball in the final minute and stuff. But he was great at that. So I'm glad a lot of people made uh, made their money on uh, not just Alabama. If you put down a buck, probably one less than a buck. Um, but but also on the uh, on the over, which was a good bet. The over was a good bet because you figured Ohio State would score too. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's unbelievable. We got hockey to talk about this week, man. They open tomorrow. This week, yeah, the tomorrow. Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. yeah against Blackhawks uh, at home at Emily Arena with no fans, unfortunately. Um, 
they had some maneuvers, I guess, uh, some some procedural things where they took Tyler Johnson and Luke Shen and, and uh, yeah, they placed them on waivers. Which so the salary cap gets a little confusing, but right, the Lightning are way over the cap this year because of long term injury relief. Nikita Kucherov. Mm-hmm. They traded for two players. Uh, they they got uh, was they got rid of Paquette and Coburn. They got some contracts back for players that'll be on in long term injury or uh, Gabrick and and uh, one other goalie, and so they're way over. But they need to get the players that they have on the roster for opening night. They have they need to get that payroll below the salary cap, so they have more flexibility and maneuverability. Because whatever your whatever your salary number is on opening night is what you have to spend per day for the season your the salary cap is you actually accumulate salary throughout the season it's not you know this person made this much money it's they were on the roster today so you pay them this much so tyler johnson and luke shen were placed on waivers they're not expected to get picked up by anybody this is not them parting with those players Mm -hmm. but the purpose of this is to put them on the taxi squad for the first game which means they won't play in the opener. Uh, but it saves them some salary cap numbers for that opening night salary, which is very important. It allows them to put Cal Foot on the roster, and because he makes less than a million dollars, he can go up and down off the taxi squad all season. He's a young defenseman that they need, definitely a top-seven defenseman on this team. They're going to need him to play this year. And it allows them some roster flexibility, too, by putting him on the roster. And he's at a lower salary, too. So it, it's... It's a little complicated with the cap and, and the CBA rules, and it's. I think you know Julian Breezeball called it uh, cap gymnastics, right? Is essentially, what they're doing, um, and, and they were upfront and honest with the players. They're not trying to get rid of Tyler Johnson or Luke Shen. Um, it's just a financial maneuver. But I believe they will not be able to play the opening night if they're on the taxi squad. They'll be on the taxi squad, and then they could come back in for game two on Friday. Yeah, purely uh, procedural for cap reasons. That that makes sense to me, and. Um, so yeah, they, they'll just miss the one game and they'll be right back here. So we got, yeah, we got hockey on Wednesday. Of course, the Bucks are going to begin preparations for their NFC divisional playoff game at New Orleans. And we're going to have Tom Jones on for a couple podcasts, I think. And, uh, he can take his bows. Nostra Thomas. Remember when, when the Pittsburgh Steelers were 10 and one, he said they win one more game, pick, didn't pick the right game, but that he was right. And they bowed out and that was, that was a good, that was a good take. So we'll let him we'll let him uh, go ahead and gloat about that when he comes on the show. Always fun with Tommy. Hey, who's got the best party platters for your catering in Tampa Bay? Please call our friends at Mister Empanada. If you don't know what an empanada is, where have you been? I mean, it's uh, your favorite food, and you put it inside the pocket of a homemade dough that's cooked perfectly until it's golden brown and piping hot. And I'm telling you, their, their empanadas are a fresh twist on some old favorites. You can order delicious menu items now made from scratch. I mean, they got soups, they got salads, they got Cuban sandwiches. Just go online at mrempanada.com or you can call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Where Latin food, quality, and service meet, it's Mr. Empanada. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.